Hello and welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Today we're going to be discussing spies and their lies in episode 17. If you're new here, I'm Victoria and with me is my co-host T. Star Trek Sundays is a podcast through which we and our guest crew examine some of the philosophical themes presented in Star Trek every Sunday at 10 a.m. PST on Clubhouse. At the top of the room, we have pinned our Star Trek Sundays website, StarTrekSundaysPodcast.com. There you'll find links to our published podcasts, my captain's log and guest blogs, links to our upcoming watch lists and our Star Trek Sundays trading post. The Star Trek Sundays podcast is available one week after the live show and is available on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and from anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to our channels. It helps us reach others who might enjoy the show. So T, you did it again this week with the watch list. As you know, I'm a big fan of the James Bond franchise. So this theme really gets me going, especially our man Bashir. Can you tell us how you chose the episodes for this theme and what prompted the theme in general? Definitely, Victoria. The topic of spies and their lives was inspired by the very specific way counterintelligence works in the Star Trek universe. It always seems to involve a very specific set of actions taken against the enemy, usually the Klingons or the Romulans, a cloaking device, a surgical disguise, and a set of confusing orders from Starfleet. It also takes some fancy flying by the crew, who often find themselves unwitting operatives in the whole spy game. It's always interesting to see the reactions of everyone as the plot unfolds with various crew playing to their technical and social expertises. So let's get into the action and check out some spies and their lies. Thank you, T. Yeah, unwitting operatives is often the case here. It's uh, it's amazing how often they're thrown into improv situations. So we'll get to that in a bit. So again, this is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse, and we're discussing spies and their lies. And I'll be bringing people up to the stage to share your thoughts in a few minutes. T, let's start with the Enterprise incident. I know that you and I watched this a couple of times last week. So can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it, what it was about? And then I have a couple of questions for you. Absolutely. The Enterprise incident, the original series, season three, episode four, first aired on the 27th of September, 1968. In this episode, Kirk and Spock go deep into Klingon territory in a bid to steal a cloaking device and equip the Enterprise with the technology. I chose this episode because it was here that the format would first be seen in the Star Trek world, with Kirk getting some plastic surgery to fit in and Spock doing some great work to pull the mission off. Thank you. Yeah, this was a, a, a great duo with uh, this first episode in our trio and the second one, so I really, really like how you put those together. As a few have said previously when watching the original series with us, once you put aside the community theater set and costumes of this series, the stories and writing shine. And once again, we saw some sparks fly between Spock and the Romulan commander in this Romtrek episode. And I loved how they didn't just forget that. The writers carried it through to the end when Spock was escorting the commander to her quarters in a turbo lift, I might add, which was a little bit like Q&A, which we watched a couple of weeks ago. So I wondered if if that might have inspired Q&A a little bit. Maybe one day we'll get to ask the writers these questions. So in this episode, the Enterprise incident, Kirk and Spock have to deceive the crew to pull off the mission. Was there ever a time you found yourself having to deceive someone in order to do what you felt was the right thing? Um, I think so. It was, it's fairly innocuous, but I remember um, one time trying to make for a very special Christmas for my wife at the time. And, uh, I had to tell her one thing for about a month that we were going on, um, just going to like a movie or, or a theater or something. And then I had ended up renting out a hotel room and gotten flowers and sprinkled them, sprinkled the rose petals all along the floor and onto the bed and everything. And, 
uh, had a fish tank in there for her for her uh, for Christmas and all kinds of fun things. But it was it was an interesting trick to to pull it off because it was the one time when I really had to um, tiptoe around my loved one and make a bunch of plans sort of behind their back and keep them from learning about those plans in order to maintain the surprise. I don't think it's anything uh, near as as exciting as the uh, the crew of the Enterprise pulls off, but it was the one time when I remember being really, you know, having to be deceitful and going, is this the right thing? Yeah, this is the right thing. We should do this, right? I should keep doing this and keep tiptoeing around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those ones are hard because you're doing it for, well, the right thing, something nice for them. But I wonder, too, and, and maybe you can elaborate on this while we bring people up, whether did she suspect anything? And by that, I mean, like, when we're lying, especially to people who know us, they might they might be able to see that in our eyes. And I wondered if if she thought something else was going on. Like I always worry that if I do something like that for a good purpose, or even like at work, when you're trying to surprise your boss or colleague or something like that, if then they think that there's something uh, more evil going on, right? Like in a in a relationship, it might be that they think that you're um, they can feel that you're lying, so they think you're having an affair when really you're trying to. Um, do something nice for them. So did was there ever a time where you felt like maybe she knew something was up? She definitely knew something was up. She actually thought that I was I was sneaking out and uh, you know, hooking up with some other girl. And when she realized the the whole plot, everything was forgiven. But during during a minute there, she was she was kind of wondering what the heck was going on. Yeah, I just <laughs> I remember this story a girlfriend of mine told me. And this has happened many times since uh, the the stories of my girlfriends when their uh, husbands have asked them to marry them. The husbands are so nervous and they go out for dinner and um, the girls always think that the guy's about to break up with them (laughs) right before he asks them to marry them. So it's this weird you know, roller coaster of emotions because you know something's up. They look really nervous. They look like they have this really heavy thing to talk to you about. And I guess it's our own self-esteem or something that makes us think that the person's going to break up with us. And then all of a sudden they they say, will you marry me? But you're all prepared (laughs) for the breakup. So um, yeah, that's what I would worry about. I'm I'm not a great liar. So I don't know if I'd I'd make a great spy. Welcome to the stage, Joshua and Jamesy. Uh, I'll put this question to you. Was there ever a time when you, Joshua, found yourself having to deceive someone in order to do what you felt was the right thing? That's that's a tricky one. I can tell you that I, I, I applaud T for being able to pull off his surprise. Um, one of the both positives and negatives of my wife and I being together for as long as we have is that she has gotten to the point where she is able to hear and comprehend uh, my screen reading speech at a fast rate, which most people find very, very difficult. And in 2016, I think it was, somewhere back there, I uh, was being kind of underhanded and sneaky in order to, um, I don't know if you know the show The Walking Dead or the comics The Walking Dead, uh, there's a character, Michonne, who keeps a, a couple of zombies on leashes, and she has a really nice katana. Um, and I found a place that was selling a full tang, so not partway into the, the handle, but really well-done replica sword, full weight. My wife is a, a trained martial artist, really good with weapons especially. And I, I, I almost... I had to wear headphones. It looked like maybe I was like, so she wouldn't hear my speech. It looked exactly that same thing T. Um, like maybe I was kind of slipping out on her or something. Um, it was not quite as grandiose as that. Uh, but I think you hit it better than I did most likely. But, uh, I, I don't really have a clean story, but it did, did remind me of, of that specific thing. And I really, really enjoy 
both being sneaky in order to be kind and hearing stories of people being sneaky in order to be kind. It's a, it's a way cooler way when it pans out that that direction. That is so sweet. You guys, you're such romantics. That's great. Oh, that's really nice. Um, how about you, Jamesy? Was there ever a time that you found yourself having to deceive somebody in order to do what you felt was the right thing? I don't think so. I, I think erring on the side of, of honesty just comes a lot easier. I, I'm i reminded, I was in a, a management situation where we kind of had a protocol for letting somebody go. And uh, it was really uncomfortable for me being told, like, this is what you're going to tell him. And, and just like, that's kind of like where my head is stuck at that, uh, that didn't sit well with me at all. Yeah. I've been in those situations at work. It's so uncomfortable because <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. When you've got to hide something that's bad for the person and, uh, and still deal with them. Yeah. That's really hard. Part of the reason that I can't really do that in my real life, I think comes to uh, or has something to do with my neurodiversity. I can't remember lies enough that I can maintain them over a long period of time. So maybe a day or two, I might be able to do that. Um, but I also get too excited. Like if I was in T's position where I had to do it for a month, my husband would be like, why are you so happy? Why are you looking at me and giggling? Because I'd be like, hey, 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 I can't wait. Like all the anticipation would just be showing on my face. So, um, <laughs> you know, as T has said before, when he said he's not, um, he, he doesn't think that he's made uh, to, to take command. I think maybe I'm not made to be a spy. <laughs> so T, why don't we move on to face of the enemy? And uh, you can provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it, what it was about. And then I'll put some questions to you and the crew. You got it. Um, the Face of the Enemy, The Next Generation, Season 6, Episode 14, first aired on the 8th of February in 1993. In this episode, Deanna Troy was the one to go undercover as she takes command of a Romulan ship in the name of the Tal Shiar. I chose this episode because I always thought it was a spiritual successor to the Enterprise incident, with all of the same bones of the plot being carried forward into the next generation. Yeah, when I didn't remember this one, but seeing it right after the Enterprise incident was really amazing. I have to assume that the writers were influenced somewhat. It was it was a really nice follow-up to it. Um, and I really felt like Imagine being kidnapped and surgically altered to look like one of your enemies. And I know that spies do this, but usually it's done with consent. Um, now, eventually she found out that, you know, this was, you know, so that she could do this other more grandiose thing. Um, but, you know, she was really thrown into it. Um, and I thought this was a nice vehicle for Deanna Troy's character to shine because she doesn't often get center stage like this and for the actress Marina Sirtis to show off some of her acting chops. So in the face of the enemy, Deanna has to quickly adapt to her situation as a member of the opposition, uh, learning her role as the mission unfolds. And this was amazing because she would have known a little bit about this Tal Shiar, but the way she kind of stepped carefully into the role and then could see how far she could push it and then measured the response she was getting from the commander. I thought that was just, it was great. So do you think this kind of counterintelligence scenario sponsored by the Federation, because we found out that Spock was sort of uh, setting this up, do you think that this kind of counterintelligence scenario is a necessary evil? Can we ever peacefully coexist when differing objectives are at play? What do you think? Yes, I think it's definitely a necessary evil. And this is one of the, I think, one of the very interesting questions that um, comes up in philosophy fairly often are things like um, staged assassinations a necessary evil when is it okay to kill someone when is it okay to steal from someone when is it okay to 
you know, fight back against the opposition in a way that is sneaky, underhanded, deceitful, and basically, you know, breaks all the, the sort of ethics that we generally establish for ourselves. Um, and I think this is one of those scenarios that really highlights the, the potency of the act, um, especially with Deanna Troy. She really, you know, she really pulled this one off. I'm reminded of the scene in which she is still learning her role and is forced to attend the, the officer's dinner. And she's offered to try a specific dish. And we kind of can tell she doesn't know what that dish is. And so she grabs something just, you know, very flippantly and starts dishing it up. And the other person who prompted them said, well, you at least you could try this thing, right? And Deanna goes, you know, I've smelt better, better of that, you know, better of that stuff on a prison ship. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Look at what just happened here. Deanna made a very calculated move. She reached for something, not knowing if it was the right thing. And if it was the right thing, then she would be like, yeah, okay, you know, I did what you asked me to do and everything would be fine. But because she got it wrong, she had an answer ready. She was like, no, I'm not going to try that. You know, uh, uh, I smelled better on a prison ship. And so I thought this whole like deceit and deception was so fascinating and how it played out in this, in this very necessary role sponsored by the Federation. I don't think we'll ever reach the point where, you know, we, we truly all see eye to eye. There's always going to be another maniac. There's always going to be another, you know, person who, who, uh, who wants to hurt people and wants to do so in a way that requires us to uh, question and, and challenge our own ethics and morals in order to deal with them. I don't think we're ever going to get past that. I think it's just going to continue to be a necessary evil in our world. Thank you. Yeah, that dinner scene was great. It also, I, oh, there was so much I really liked about this episode. For me, it showed a bit of a layer of complexity with the Romulans because the commander was also talking about her dad just speaking his mind. And it sounded like her dad might have been saying stuff that was anti-Romulan or something at the time, and the Tal Shiar um, took him away. And I got this impression that that there was more there, that these this species, you know, these people who aren't humans, had complexity of humans too, like that, that there was some bend, even though they're they're trained in a certain culture that this, you know, war commander also had a complexity to her. So I, I really liked that scene. There was a lot going on there. And, um, and I really enjoyed the writing and the acting in that. Let's ask Joshua. So what do you think about this kind of counterintelligence scenario sponsored by the Federation? Is it a necessary evil? Can we ever peacefully coexist when differing objectives are at play? I think <clears throat> it's an unfortunate thing that will exist. It would be great if people were kind and were never cruel and were never violent to people that they considered an other. The reality is, is that will forever continue. And as much as I wish it wasn't necessary, I agree with with teeth that it is is somewhat necessary. I don't know if we agree on to the degree it is, but I agree with him on that it is necessary for sure. Sometimes I wish it wasn't. I wish we could all, you know, kumbaya, you know, whatever. I, I actually was really fascinated by T's zeroing in on um, the the dinner scene there. And I'm I'm wondering if in this moment Troy is kind of going, okay, well if they do this, I do that. If they do that, I do this how much of that was at the last minute or did she pre did she plan it out right then when she was asked and that's the type of thing where you kind of come up with okay if this happens i do that if that happens i do this that especially in social interactions that can be really tricky um, i suppose for her my my thought is and i was just thinking about this now uh did she use her her betazoid or half betazoid abilities to help her 
with her deception. I don't remember because, like I said, I didn't see this episode. She, she definitely did. She was, um, there was a scene in which she was dropping off the cargo to her, you know, to her, the rest of her mission with the Tal Shiar and detected deception. He said that he intended to get the destination, the cargo to its destination. She, in turn, realized that he had no intention of keeping his word and so gave the order and destroyed the ship with 18 people on it creating quite the argument between the the captain um about you know who gets to give the order to fire on her ship yeah and the thing i wanted to add at this point i think we would be remiss to not point out that in both scenarios in both episodes the commanding team was was females and this was back in 1968 that this was first done where you had the romulan commander a strong female and then you had a series of strong females in this episode sort of butting heads with each other and i thought that this and in a command position and i thought that this in my mind was was really an important flagpole that the that the series the the whole like you know star trek in general they really wanted to double down on this idea that in the future women were in the equal posts that men are in today and that started with uhura and then continued through in the third season with these strong female commanders and i loved that my i remember very clearly my father you know, mentioning this at the time, back in the 70s when we were watching them in reruns, the early 80s, I should say, in reruns, and um, and how he pointed out how pioneering this was at a time where we were still coming out of a period where the roles of women were played by men in the media. That was just a thing. And you know how that how that progressed out of the media and how shows like star trek said you know in the future this things are better things are things are different pay attention because you know if you don't think women are the threat to uh, the roles that men hold today you're not paying attention thank you t um yeah, I love it when you talk about the women of Star Trek. It's great. I always thought there seems to be a lot of women in the command roles in the Romulan space. And I I just wonder, I know correlation isn't causation, but I, I have to think it has something to do with the shoulder pads. Like I just, there's something's going on there with the shoulder pads and the strong women. So um, let's move on. Welcome to the stage, Dan and Barsha. Thanks for coming up. I'm going to put this to Jamesy, then Dan, then Barsha. And then I have another question with respect to this episode as well, if we have a bit of time. So Jamesy, what do you think about counter, this kind of counterintelligence uh, sponsored by the Federation? Is it a necessary evil? Can we ever peacefully coexist when differing objectives are at play? multifaceted. I, I think there's absolutely times for secrets. Um, but like, when we're trying to get what we want, it frequently behooves us to just kind of say like, this is what I'm after. Um, that, that seems to be like cleaner, like, like wars fought over resources tend to be more honest and have less uh, human collateral because like wars fought over resources tend to keep those resources intact and like wars fought over ideologies like that's when you really have to watch out i i, I think that's all i'm going to contribute to this question at this time thank you thanks jamesy i always appreciate your thoughtful contributions barsha welcome to the stage you watched this with us yesterday thanks for coming to the watch party what do you think can we ever peacefully coexist when differing objectives are at play and is this kind of counterintelligence scenario sponsored by the Federation, is this a necessary evil? I think somebody has to always be playing chess. Somebody has to be anticipating moves. And I think that might involve spying and it might involve a, a temporarily suspending one's quote unquote real identity for another one just to get the objective um, accomplished because I mean it's the greatest thought in the world to live in the moment but actually what keeps the society together probably by some other 
uh, measure is to to play chess and really out see what another uh, tendency might be with each move that gets played. So I, I think it might be a necessary evil, but I don't know if I'd call it an evil because ultimately good comes out of it. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Necessary evil. It's just necessary. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Okay. Well, I just had one more thought about this um, this episode and we were making good time here. So the way Picard and his crew went along with Deanna's character, the, the, the they saw Deanna and they saw that this that she had been surgically altered, and she was now uh, a Tal Shiar um, uh, Romulan. I thought that way they reacted to her was interesting and fun. It was like improv with very high stakes. And they were just like, yep, she needs our help. Let's just pretend that we're looking at someone from the Tal Shiar. So T, have you ever had a friend or colleague indicate to you silently that they wanted you to go along with a ruse and you did it without knowing the goal? Too many times, I'm afraid. Um, (laughs) Ooh, excellent. I, 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 I had a friend and... We were teenagers, and we used to run around in my 1977 Chevy Impala. It was blue with a white vinyl top, and this is the same friend who drummed on the dashboard until the dashboard fell apart. Um, We had a running agreement going. The agreement was that whatever somebody said, the other person had to go along with. And we would use this to exploit each other. The whole point was to, like, score points on each other, right? It wasn't for for anybody else's sake. It was to rib at each other. So, for example, one time we were at the mall and walking through the mall and not even realizing where, where I was walking, he steps into Victoria's Secrets and says... And, and grabs something off the rack and goes, here, try this on. And I go, oh, uh, okay. And he goes, here, try this on too. And starts like shoving things like lingerie at me. And we just like, you know, end up just like busting up for like three minutes, just going, okay, I'm going to, I'll do it, you know? And so I remember later, I think it was like two weeks later, we had met a girl and he Dalen was totally crushing on this girl and absolutely went in for her to go talk to her. And as I went to introduce them, he, he didn't know her from class because he, he had never like seen her on campus, but he had like, you know, caught a glimpse of her before. Really excited to meet her. I go to introduce them and I go, unfortunately, Dalen's a mute. And so Dalen proceeds to speak to her in sign language and attempt to communicate. And he could pull off sign language. Like he actually like knew like a little bit of enough sign language to make it look good. And so he, for the next three hours had to sit there and mime to this girl. And when she found out the whole time that he could speak, she never wanted to talk to him again. And that was my revenge for Victoria's Secret. Oh, no. Oh, well, that uh, maybe he dodged a bullet because that's funny. You'd think that she would think that that was really funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've done it with friends. I Maybe, yeah, maybe I have uh, at the bars and stuff. I, I know I've done it at work like with my boss, when somebody's come in and I've had to kind of tell my boss what the problem is in front of the person and indicate to my boss that this person's complaint is complete bullshit. But obviously we have to pretend to take it seriously. 
right? So it's it's a lot of micro expressions and knowing somebody and wide eyes like, oh, yes, yes, agree with this, right? But I've, I don't think I've done it with friends. This question I am going to ask my friends the next time I, I see them. So let's ask Barsha this question. Barsha, have you ever had a friend or colleague indicate to you silently that they wanted you to go along with a ruse and you did it without knowing the goal? Yes. Like I would say in my family constantly. Um, yeah. Uh, it has to also do with the other question about surprises uh, is the time that I can think of it most. And that would be my mother I knew was expecting us to give her an 80th birthday party and all fly to Florida where she was. So we all planned a 79th birthday party because we said she will never know. So it has to do with us communicating in front of her a lot of times with wide eyes, as you said, and saying certain things and her being now, I don't want an 80th birthday party. I just want everybody to. And she thought that, oh, they'll be planning the 80th birthday. So we just said, fuck this. <laughs> We're going to do a 79th birthday party. We're going to really do this. So almost everything we spoke to um, was a ruse completely. And, uh, to the point where she never suspected whenever we were talking on a group call or a group anything that or a group FaceTime that this was happening. But we all had to have, like you said, micro. I, don't, I love the way you put that. What did you say? Micro expressions. Yes. So, I mean, it, it is along the lines of the surprise thing, but definitely, uh, definitely I did that. Oh, how sweet. That is so sweet. You know, I've been in rooms with your mom and it just, when you said 80, I'm like, what mom is that? That's not the mom I've She's met. 87. <laughs> she's 87 now. <gasps> oh my God. She's so funny. She's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Barsha's 87 year old mom is on Clubhouse and comes to some rooms that she hosts. It's just, it's fantastic. Um, well, thank you for that, Barsha. This is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse. Our regular show is Sunday at 10 a.m. PST. To be notified of future shows, please join the club on Clubhouse and join our mailing list at StarTrekSundays.com. Today, we are discussing spies and their lies. T, let's move on to our man Bashir. Can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it what it was about? And then I have a few questions for you. Yes, I can. Our Man Bashir, and boy, do I love this one. Deep Space Nine, Season 4, Episode 10, first aired on the 27th of November, 1995. In this episode, members of the crew of Deep Space Nine become characters in a spaghetti spy movie where they suffer a transporter accident and become the supporting cast in Bashir's holodeck program where he gets to play a counterintelligence agent while trying to save the planet from certain doom. I chose this episode because it was a love letter to the old Bond movies, complete with Cisco playing the villain and having his version of a no, Bond, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die line. This was great. I mean, I figured I would like this one a lot, given my affinity for all things Bondian. But this was way better than I expected. It wasn't just a take on Bond or a parody of Bond, but the writers added something new with the twist in the holodeck. I, I just loved it. And I did like how um, Garrick wasn't like the Felix Light Lighter character. Uh, for Bashir, but he was almost like a Watson in some level-headed way. I, I just got a, a Sherlock feeling in in some of their lines together. Um, I did feel a little bit protective of Bashir when Garrick was criticizing the holodeck program, and that goes back to our discussions a few weeks ago on what's your freaky and that there should be no shame in what tickles us, at least for the most part. I, I really enjoyed this. I thought that they did such a, an incredible job and and that goes all throughout you're so right like Cisco as the villain like I got this impression that he was really enjoying playing that role and he almost looked different like 
it, it, oh, it was it was really good. So in this episode, Cisco attempts global domination by attempting to raise the levels of the oceans, creating new beachfront property at his base high atop Mount Everest. Do you think we'll ever face a villain so diabolical that they actually attempt to wipe out most of humanity? Yeah, I do. I think that's exactly the type of thing that we're likely to face eventually. I'm reminded of Superman, um, not just because, you know, the two villains were bald, but because they were ultimate thinking. In Superman, Lex Luthor was the, the character who I admired most as a villain because his signature move was upscaling. It was taking something and not just making it bigger but grandiose making it ultimate taking it to its logical possible extreme as an idea he was never satisfied with you know conquering one of the united states when he could have all of the united states he wasn't satisfied with that either he wanted you know all seven nations to be owned by himself that was like his thing and when you know and when that was not big enough it was you know all the planets in the in the solar system it was you know it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and that was his move and i thought that um cisco was very much echoing that sort of ultimate bondian character who has this wonderful arc of coming up with this big diabolical plan uh coming to a uh you know coming to face their their nemesis going through the whole rigmarole of explaining their their fiendish scheme tying the villain to the weapon then allowing the villain to escape while they run off to do something else entirely you know meanwhile with that no mr bond i expect you to die fine right it it just i think that they will we, we will see this over this play out on the world stage over and over i think that we will see uh you know bad people attempt bad ideas in the name of doing something grandiose and ultimate. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. I love I love all the little Bondian bits and pieces because um, there was a point where I, I didn't want to get out of the Star Trek story, but I do want to go back and make a list of all the references to either Bond movies or stories or bond parodies right but you know the fact that he was gathering all these high level excellent smart fit people to repopulate the earth was very much like moonraker one of the bond movies where somebody wants to go out into space with these great human specimens and i did think oh man how many are in there because you get into the story and then these references come into mind but i'll i'll have to make a little list one day maybe over the holidays i'll do that so uh thank you for that jamesy what about you do you ever think we will face a villain so diabolical that they actually attempt to wipe out most of humanity somehow actually attempt seems a little bit hyperbolic but like the threat has already been made right like the soviet union did the doomsday device type stuff so like it 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 strikes me as like really counterintuitive like people do act outside of uh of rationality so you know like a decade ago saying that somebody like that could be in power would sound really strange to me and Today, I'm realizing, like, no, we have examples of that, too. So, yeah, it may be. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the word attempt, like, I guess it has some sort of intent to it. And um, I think there would be people who are so grandiose that, that they think that this is going to be 
the right thing to do. And perhaps what we've seen so far are just people who aren't thinking long term. They don't realize that what they're doing now for their short term goals are going to have these long term effects that could wipe out humanity. So that's an interesting perspective. I'll go on to my second question for T. This episode for me felt like the answer to a question that I want to pose to all of you. And that is what franchise would you like to see mashed up with Star Trek? Because I, I, I love James Bond. Uh, it's a huge part of my life. I used to be on a forum daily, almost like I'm on Clubhouse and, and Star Trek now. And so which franchise, famous movie or TV franchise, would you like to see mashed up with Star Trek? Have they done it before? And, and if they did, did they hit the mark for you? Um, I would have to say something like Ocean's Eleven, um, where we're doing a heist and it's about the assembling of the team, right? It's kind of the, the, the trope with the heist movie is, you know, we have to put the team together. I think that would be a lot of fun because you could, you know, sign up Worf to do the, to do the uh, you know, the actual hit and Data to, uh, to mastermind the whole thing and, you know, really get all of the characters into this, this team assembly thing in attempting to pull a heist. And then there's, you know, a theft at the end and, you know, some double cross in order to, you know, pull off the final bit, the data masterminds and, you know, really put data in the spotlight at the end because he was that smart to, you know, piece this all together and trick everyone into not realizing what had happened until it was too late and the, the jewels had been made off with, right? And so... It's, it, it would just be so much fun to, you know, really reimagine all of those characters as a crew that is, you know, cat burglaring or something like Mission Impossible. That would be the other one is Mission Impossible. And I don't know if they've ever done like the actual heist format of like assembling the team type of thing, but I think it would be fun. Right. Okay. So I was just reading in the chat here and CW said they did the Ocean's Eleven thing in DS9. So let's look into that because maybe that's something we can do in, in season two. I would love to see that as well. We'll have to. Oh, that sounds amazing. DS9 is really fun like that. I, I really like the the adventures. If you like um if you like Julian Bashir. I think you would also love um, Dr. Bashir, I presume, which is another great uh, episode. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, and CW also said Star Wars. And um, and then Adam said Firefly. So this is great. We'll have to look into these and and have a discussion on that. And maybe if they haven't been done yet, we can prompt Star Trek to bring that that into something else, whether it be shorts or something else, because I, I know that they they do listen to their fans. So that's I, great. I, I want to think on that for just one second, because Riker as a, you know, space cowboy, right? Call a <laughs> firefly. And um, there you could, oh, there's so many good, like characters to play the, the little girl um there's you know you could get oh you could get a lot of fun ones but i think that them the rest of the crew as part of riker's little ragtag oh yeah and you do deanna as the as the companion and there's i think there's a lot of great ways to go with firefly <laughs> so i love that Oh, that's great. Yeah. I thank you guys for contributing in the chat. So CW just looked it up and and said that bada bing, bada bang, season seven, episode 15. I might even have to watch that tonight because I love Oceans, the Oceans movie so much. But uh, thank you for that contribution. That's great. How about you, Jamesy? Which famous movie or TV franchise would you like to see mashed up with Star Trek? Is this specific to like the, the spies and disguise kind of theme? No, it like could be zombies movie? if you want. Yeah, it could be anything. So my my favorite um, positive singularity event sci-fi is Star Trek, but my favorite negative singularity event is Warhammer 40K. And I, I would love to see how those two very different universes interacted with each other. Well, I'm not familiar with that one, so I'm going to have to look that one up. 
That's uh, that's great. I love the way you th- the, the way you thought about zombies because one of my favorite zombie movies is Shaun of the Dead, and so I'm I'm thinking about like how to do a zombie comedy start you know, zombie zombie Star Trek comedy, right? And I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, definitely. So we have somebody new to Star Trek Sundays on stage. Welcome to Star Trek Sundays, Michael. Would you like to answer this question? Which famous movie or TV franchise would you like to see mashed up with Star Trek? I would love to see the Next Generation crew in a Blake 7 format. That would be, I think, interesting. I saw We saw it with the original series. I would love to see it with the TNG team. So that leads me to wonder, you know, what you've just said and what T said about Riker, if they were to do this, like we love those characters so much. Do you think that in the future they could ever recast the Star Trek Next Generation uh, crew so that we had a new Riker, a new actor playing those people? Because now they're aged, right? They're And they're great. They're in Picard and we're all still enjoying it but they they can't really like Riker can't now play a space cowboy right so do you think that they could be that we could recast that and get back to Star Trek Next Generation styled shows I think with the scene of Spock and Kirk being recast several times in a horror and stuff like that I think now it's feasible right I think enough time has passed that especially if we cast like the next generation like right after nemesis and like you know uh riker on on the titan you know that would be an interesting but i think we can recast them oh very good that could be exciting what do you think t can these can these uh be recast oh yeah i i think so um i think that uh I really want to see Harrison Ford as a captain uh, in the Star Trek universe. I think that, and not necessarily a Federation captain, but put him in a smuggler role, right? Make him a a human smuggler. Because I think that he would be, you know, excellent as some of the, as some of the other, you know, smugglers that we've seen. I think that um, you could put, um, Oh gosh, a Christopher Christopher Walken in there for sure, and he could be oh, amazing, dear. an amazing admiral, right? Um, and and I mean, just like you know, delivering his signature style as an admiral, I think that's, I think that would be a ton of fun. Right, right. Uh, welcome to the stage, Adam. You attended part of the watch party with us yesterday as well. So thank you for coming to that. What question would you like to answer? Would you like to tell us which famous movie or TV franchise you would like to see mashed up with Star Trek? I do. And I got a couple questions for you, if you got, if you don't mind. Sure. Awesome. So I was thinking the crew of Discovery and the Sharknado franchise. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> okay. How do you see that playing out? Well, you know, there's a, I think Michael Burnham would be a great Finn. And I think that she would be able to handle Sharknados in a really creative way. And uh, I, I could see a lot of fun with that, with those two mashups. Wow. I would, I would love to see some people putting these together and, and doing some, <laughs> uh, some screenplays for this. That, that's great. Adam, you said that you had some questions. Do you want to pose them now? Yeah, so I was thinking about some spy movies while you guys were talking, and I was wondering what you guys thought of a Star Trek along the lines of these spy movies. So I, you said James Bond, which I thought was great because he's great as a spy. But what do you think about a spy movie in the vein of like Argo, like a Star Trek show in that vein? Well, I haven't seen Argo, so I'll pass that to T. And uh, and he can he can answer that if he's seen that. I haven't seen Argo either, actually. Oh my gosh, it's a good movie. So it's uh, it's Ben Affleck, who normally doesn't make the greatest of movies, but this one is tends to be really good. It's based on the um, Iran 
when the people were stuck in the embassy, when the Americans were stuck in the embassy, when oh, the, right. uh, I yeah. think it was the Mullah at the time took over. And so you had to get an American in there and they pretended to make a movie. The movie was called Argo. It was a science fiction movie. They, they flew out a specialized team pretending to be a film crew and broke in and got the uh, people out of the embassy out. Was that based on a true story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. A lot of it wasn't true, but yeah. Right, dramatized. Right. Well, we might have to add that to our Christmas watch party list because <laughs> that does sound exciting. I would think um, a Star Trek show in this kind of vein, trying to sneak people out. And I think it was kind of done with... Uh, the strange new worlds with the child where they had the child who was, um, who was kind of smuggling himself around the, the ship, the enterprise. If you guys remember that episode, no, yes. Well, so with strange new worlds and, and (laughs) you, you probably knew to, um, to Star Trek Sundays in some way, T is the expert. He has seen all of the episodes of all Star Trek. I ask questions about themes that I recognized in Star Trek Next Generation. I have not, other than the episodes that we've curated for the show, I've not seen anything after Star Trek Next Generation. So I have just started Strange New Worlds. And yeah, so it's exciting for me because I have all this Star Trek ahead of me. And it's, it's great. So we're having official watch parties on Saturdays for the podcast watch list. But also a few of us are just randomly watching shows together. If we find a if we find ourselves on Clubhouse together, we're like, hey, do you want to watch an episode together? And then we just go on to Discord and watch. So it is it is lots of fun revisiting this for some people and seeing it for the first time for myself. So so if I if I don't recognize some of these things, it's because anything after the next generation I've likely not seen. I don't want to give away too much, Adam, but I got um, you. To, to Victoria, because Victoria, I'm going to spill the beans on my captain here. The uh, She watched the first episode and, like like me, was hot and heavy for, the, for Spock and his lover. And I keep on telling her, well, if you think that's interesting, you're going to love the chemistry that's coming up here. But I haven't told her where it's going. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it is lots of fun. In in fact, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we watched Short Treks Q and A, where Spock and Number One were in the turbo lift, I coined the term Rom Trek <laughs> because there's some romantic trek going on, and and I think I don't know. I mean, there's some comedy trek, but I think Rom Trek is really where it's at for me. That would be a great name of a podcast. Anybody out there? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's one I would listen to because I'd be like, yes, yes, I want to see all of the romance. So welcome to the stage, Io. Thanks for coming. We were t- on the episode, Our Man Bashir. So we had a couple of questions out there, and I wonder if I could put them to you. The first one was, do you think we will ever face a villain so diabolical they actually attempt to wipe out most of humanity? And the second question on this was, which famous movie or TV franchise would you like to see mashed up with Star Trek? So you can answer either one of those or both. Ooh, I like the mashup one. That one has me really excited. But um, would there ever be a supervillain of sorts that would want to wipe out humanity? Is this a human? or Because other species, no doubt, yeah, they'd want to wipe us out. There are days of the week when I'm like, yeah, why don't they just do it? Because we're sometimes so awful to each other that uh, it sometimes feels like an inevitability uh, that eventually would happen because aliens travel all this way from another star only to find out that we're just assholes and don't have our shit together. But I think there's also a certain kind of level of oh, maybe they look at us in the same way that we're now looking at apes. So I've heard uh, Joe Rogan say this on uh, on YouTube a few times already, uh, but uh, and so are a few researchers, and uh, it's that apes or some of our cousins might be going through their Stone Age at present, and it might be a continuous process that's always happening. And so to what extent would you have compassion or understanding for creatures that are going through what you not so... Uh, not so long ago, we're going through yourself. 
So that would be kind of my first immediate uh, thought. And with respect to who would do that, uh, I would hope that humans would never want to do that. For the most part, biotech has been kind of a good faith kind of approach that the people who study biotech understand how dangerous viruses are. And there's this kind of self-policing kind of process. But could there ever be such a powerful technology so as to make it so inexpensive, so accessible to wipe out humanity that you could accidentally do so, uh, I would hope we would have fail-safes. Uh, and so, not saying that the kind of technology that I work on is like that, but I often think of those kind of questions, and I've asked people like my physicians, you know, what, what, should, I ha what should I do, what should I think about, who should I inform, and thankfully those who I have around me to advise me have said, okay, well, let's go to the Department of uh, Defense here in Canada, the DRDC or the DARPA equivalent. And then we went to uh, a virology lab and we went to all of these other places to make sure that we were being very careful, following up all the op standard operating procedures for uh, lab protocols and things like that. So uh, when it comes to innovation, I'd like to think that the difficulty is so high, but you never know what new innovation could be just around the corner. Uh, that could make it much, much too accessible. And uh, with respect to uh, mashups, uh, because kind of the theme of what I was talking about was very medicine-focused, uh, being a person who went through some cancer treatment myself and not having the best journey throughout that process and wanting to do better by that, I think there is such a great opportunity here to mash up any sort of medicine, medical theme, add a little education, and I would love to see that kind of Star Trek. So uh, if the Star Trek gods are listening, please, uh, uh, I, I think there's a great opportunity here. And uh, maybe even uh, we'll be able to present something as a community one day to them. That would be great. Yeah, I can't, I can't see Star Trek slowing down with so much out there right now and uh, so much activity in the fan base. So I think there's a lot of room for that stuff. Why don't I pass it to T right now, uh, T, and you can tell us about what's happening for next week because I'm looking forward to next week's theme. And uh, and you can uh, let us know anything else that we need to know about next week. And then, um, and then we'll just uh, go back to having a, a looser conversation for a few minutes because we're making really good time today. Next week on the 11th of December, we are doing Did You See What They're Wearing? starring Star Trek IV, The Undiscovered Country, one of the uh, most, uh, I think, garish of the, ep of the movies. It's really great. Um, followed by Friday's Child. And Friday's Child is from the original series. Looking forward to that one. Followed by The Way of the Warrior from Deep Space Nine. And um, I'm really kind of bittersweet about... Uh, this this season ending i feel like we've accomplished a lot we've gone you know we've gone boldly where uh, where nobody's gone before and i think that that's uh, really exciting but i'm also excited to continue on the 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 path that we're on i think that closing season 1 will be a, a certain sense of accomplishment and i'm just so excited that the crew has been with us for it and really looking forward to planning out season two in 2023 because i think that that is where we are really going to hit our stride as far as bringing more interesting topics to the podcast and bringing um more uh interesting people to the podcast to discuss those topics i think that'll be a, a really nice value add and uh, i think we've done just so incredibly well with the with the topics that you know, Victoria has suggested that the crew has suggested, and it's just been an incredible ride. So I'm looking forward to closing this year out and going on with the new one. Yeah, same, same. And, and you know, anybody who's listening, we appreciate any time that you retweet us or mention us. I was surprised the other day I shared something on my personal Instagram about Star Trek Sundays, and I hadn't done that before because I've kind of wanted to keep this building until I really had something to share with my friends. And 
I was absolutely delighted with the feedback and people loving it. So please feel free to share, like our YouTube videos. If you like the podcast and you happen to be on YouTube, please do that stuff. It does help the algorithm. I know we hear YouTubers saying this all the time, but it does really help us reach other people. So anything you can do there is great. But I also want to thank everybody for contributing and and maybe we'll have a virtual little cheese and crackers party at the end <laughs> of next week's episode. It will be a little bittersweet, but I'm really excited for t- 2023, which just sounds like Star Trek to me anyway. So let's relax a little bit into these topics. So I, I'm going to take an opportunity and jump in here. I I thought of another mashup. I'm kind of obsessed with pirate history and like a pirate faction in the Star Trek universe that didn't develop their own ships, that only lived on cannibalizing other ships and was kind of this fringe amalgamation of other cultures would be really sexy. Um, I would like to see that very much, but I thought of that because in the question of like who's the most successful spy there's kind of the saying with pirate history of like the most successful pirate is the one you never heard about and i think that applies to to the spy practice too um and i realize we're talking about a drama series it's kind of not the way the question's framed but a successful spy would be one that you you don't know is a spy yeah i like that and i think that um there's a there's a couple ways to go with with other mashups. Um, I think Ridley Scott would be a great way to mash it up. We could just do Star Trek, um, you know, in the uh, in, in the Aliens universe and have it be like a you know a Marine situation, you know, with the crew dropping in, and they're all a bunch of Federation badasses. <laughs> Right, it would be a lot of fun, and then to see them get their ass kicked by the aliens, you know. So this Garrick line, um, especially the lies when he's kind of meta conversating about what truth is, um, like I I have an example from from my own life. I I was invited to a, a gathering where I was kind of being introduced to friends of long term friends. And this guy says, uh, so, you know, so you're James, I've heard a lot about you. And, and I was like, well, if you hear a story about me, it's probably true unless you heard it from Derek. Derek has never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So, <laughs> um, I don't know, <laughs> just kind of a fun little That's funny. <laughs> That's like great. That. Another one that came to mind was doing Blade Runner as in the Star Trek universe or or doing Star Trek in the Blade Runner universe, better yet, because then you could have Data at the end realize that he's an android. Oh, no. He's already got trauma. Yes. You know what's probably been done, but... I'm going to totally scream Gen X here, but I would like to see a scenario with some of the, and now of course it's going to be the TNG crew, that is somewhat like the Breakfast Club where four or five people are trapped together over the course of the day and they get to know each other in a way they wouldn't normally get to know each other. That must have been done already. Well, I mean, you're, you're dangerously close to like a Lower Decks episode at this point you know oh okay yeah i gotta get into that yeah yeah because the the characters are just millennials and and sarcastic and they speak like teenagers of today do and it's funny and so i i think that if you if you were to do like they end up in detention for whatever reason because they were misbehaving right and so now they have to sit around and and do you know extra extra classwork or extra time on the lower decks. <laughs> I just think it would be great. Right. But that's Seth MacFarlane, right? So I think he's Gen X anyway. So he probably, that's in his, Breakfast Club had to have had some influence on him anyway. So I'm going to have to go through there and, and see if any other John Hughes movies are present. Well, I appreciate everybody coming. T, did you have any further thoughts? Or or Jamesy, Adam, Io, did you have any further thoughts on the these topics that we've already discussed? Oh, hey, Barsha. Hi, I was 
I I came back because I'm I'm just wanted to thank you. Uh, it was my first watch party, and I got through uh, the first and almost three quarters of the way through the second one. And I'm looking forward now. Uh, especially, I love chatting in the chat of Discord during the the <laughs> the, the, the Star Trek episodes. It's really fun. And I, I'll be back, but I wanted to thank you because I'd never gone to the watch parties. Thank you so much. Oh, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, they're lots of fun. Um, we didn't have as many people yesterday as we usually do, and I suspect that has something to do with people being busy with, you know, once Christmas season starts. Uh, people are busy, which is why we're going to be taking a break. But we, we do have next week, so there'll be a watch party next week for sure. And then um, after that, we do have uh, some plans to watch not only some Star Trek over the holidays, but perhaps some Star Trek-esque shows and some sci-fi. I know we're all going to get together at one point and watch Master and Commander, which doesn't initially sound like a Star Trek episode, but apparently lots of people do think that it, it aligns. So we're all going to watch that with this in mind. So T, did you have anything further to say before we close out the room? Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, watching Tron and Tron Legacy and uh, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 and do Blade Runner The Final Cut. And more strange new worlds because um, I've already watched it once, so I'm on my second. I'm on my second rewatch now, but um, we just watched the first episode of that, and they're they're you know varying degrees of great. The plots get really cheesy, really like just terrible sci-fi writing, just so obviously bad. Um, but the characters are so enjoyable, and the 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 uh, the visuals are just fantastic so i'm really looking forward to watching all of those and you know talking to people over the holiday season will be in the hallways i'm sure but you know coming back on uh in the new year with some with some new new ideas and some new themes and i mean the crew this year has been amazing crew 22 all the way you guys have been absolutely just fantastic supporting us being here week after week amazing contributions uh, the way you guys get the the topics you tie everything together perfectly i'm thrilled to be doing this i'm i'm thrilled that uh we have such a great captain i'm thrilled that we have such a great crew i love everything about this so looking forward to our final week this season and then moving on into season two Thank you, T. Yeah, the crew's just been phenomenal. Like, I mean, these these episodes that we do here are so much fun. I learned so much more about not only Star Trek and sci-fi, but about myself. It's like counseling sessions sometimes. I Thankfully, I got through this episode without crying. It's just been incredible. I just, I love the community that's being built around this absolutely wonderful show and all the shows that we have to, to watch going forward. I just want to thank everybody for coming. This has been Star Trek Sundays, Spies and Their Lies, and we'll be back next week with What Were They Wearing? All About Fashion. So I really appreciate everybody coming, and I hope you have a fantastic day. 